0: So Sandy Joe, this is gonna be our last so Sandy Joe, <laughs> because I can't think of any more good ones. But we're gonna ask you the question that everybody's been dying to know the answer to. Uh-oh. Why do you hate the Catholic Church? <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't. Welcome to the Whatever This Thing is podcast, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to the Whatever This Thing Is podcast, a podcast about this thing called the church. My name is Chris, and I'm one of your hosts.
1: And I'm Sandy Joe, the other host. And it's not like I have a ton of problems with the Catholic Church. It's more like uh, just kind of like uh, okay, some problems, okay, okay. but not the, like it. Not, enough that, of the hate the,
0: speech, <laughs> Sandy Joe. We're good. <laughs> In this episode, the final episode of our church history series, we wrap things up from Constantine up until the North American church, all kinds of good stuff covered in there. The Crusades, the Puritans, Martin Luther, all that stuff. (laughs) Hope you enjoy. Enjoy. Well, welcome back, everybody. We are, once again, in producer Sam's underground illustrious bunker. underground studio bunker, all that. San Diego, how are you? I'm
1: good. How about you? I'm
0: good. I'm doing well. This is our first recording of 2019.
1: 2019. Yeah. We're, we're able to do it despite the government shutdown that's currently going on. Well, I mean, we'll see. They might shut us down yeah, in the process. You never know. You never know.
0: So, hey, we're picking up and we're hoping actually to wrap up this whole church history series that we've launched this podcast with. Uh, for those of you guys who have not listened to all of the episodes, we would highly recommend you go back to the very beginning, the intro, and, and listen to these uh, in order and kind of gives you a good foundation and background for where we're at. Uh, last time we kind of hit on the early church and Constantine and Christendom and all the crazy massive effects that, that that time period had
1: within just the, the first 300 years that's right. what's crazy the first 300 years after christ you've got this huge empire
0: yeah essentially it's the birth of the institutional yeah. church and, and just a lot of big things that um that are still re, we're, we're still yeah, yeah experiencing the effects of that today
1: right. if you were to define the word christendom how would you define it what do you think that word means
0: christendom mm-hmm. um uh, to me like the first it's just two words like christian empire is yeah what comes to mind for sure so it's almost like this you know you've got the roman empire and that always usually comes with like nations yep. and and top guys in power and this is like a religious empire <laughs> type empire
1: thing. control power hierarchy money land possessions that's exactly what what took place after yeah after Constantine.
0: Right. So, again, a lot of things that came into effect, things like... like at the time a mandatory tithing to the church right. to to keep you know that thing funded mandatory church attendance Absolutely.
1: hierarchy uh, of church structure you've right. got these church fathers as they're called these patriarchs who are all kind of following in the line of the apostles and the, and the disciples and buildings as yeah, as you've touched buildings. on cathedrals I mean overnight you've got these massive buildings that begin to look like these other uh, religious symbols of, of uh, like buildings and power and all of that right. kind of stuff and like Roman architecture empire again.
0: Right. So you you take just within these first three to 500 years, you have this, what we've defined as this grassroots movement on the fringes of society, this, these new People called Christians, followers of Jesus, finding their way, who are, you know, in the very, very early stages getting killed for their beliefs yeah. and thrown to the outside. Who were and, nobodies. These right. fishermen,
1: as we know, were nobodies. Jesus, Jesus didn't the choose the best of the best. Outcasts of society. Absolutely.
0: And suddenly with a swing of, I don't know, 50 to 150 yeah. years or so, suddenly it's this, this thing that they have claimed, this profession of faith of Jesus as Lord is suddenly the thing you have to profess to to have like the yeah. top seat of power Absolutely. in the world
1: and you see again the religion itself becoming aligned with uh, with the nation, with empire right. and that's the very thing that if you were to ask the early church, early early church the 12 apostles or the 11 apostles and the the and Paul and others, that's something I don't think that they could have foreseen that their mm-hmm. religion, their understanding of their faith in Christ would then become intertwined With a government. I I I just I imagine you, you know, posing that question to Paul and him going, What? No, that's not possible. We're (laughs) always gonna be against or on the outsides or on the fringes, and yet within again a few hundred years, they are just coalescing together. It's kind of like the similarity today, which is so important and we'll get there, but the similarity today of seeing America as a christian nation and what that means that those things are wedded together and right. it's it's the exact same model that we're looking at with with the roman empire gotcha. a lot of similarities to the roman empire for sure
0: Awesome. Well, maybe not awesome, but <laughs> awesome job uh, talking right there. That's what I mean. Good. Great, great talking, Sandy Joe. <laughs> Thanks for that. You needed that so, encouragement. Yeah, good. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> All right, so so let's. Uh, we're going to move along quickly because we want to cover a lot of ground. We um, our goal is not to be a church history podcast, even sure. though we've started with that. Mm-hmm. We just found that that was a a major foundation that was needed to important that yeah. most people
1: don't know about yeah, most all of people this stuff don't
0: know why is it that we yeah. do what we do today you just kind right. of accept it as that's some of us we were born on a pew and that's just what life is right
1: or just that you know I've I've heard it growing up how, how good it was that Rome and that Rome became this Christian nation and so we've on, I've only heard the positives about gotcha. it that they developed these Roman roads and it allowed people which is true it allowed the gospel to spread because there was safety if you were a Roman citizen Meaning you were under the protectorate of Rome. Rome had conquered your nation. You were under the protectorate of Rome. You were safe. You could travel these Roman roads and not be, you know, attacked or killed. And so the gospel was able to spread. Right. I've only heard the positives about the okay. Roman Empire. I've not heard this other stuff. That's yeah. really important. Yeah, Most people is. don't know it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, so we've we've kind of gone up through Constantine. We're gonna fast forward. We're gonna try to wrap this up because we've got a slew of other right. topics that we think are really important to discuss. Um, but. Where do we, where do, where does it, what is the history and, and things, where does it pick up from here yeah. post-Constantine? So
1: I think what we want to do is we want to head right up to that millennium marker, right up to the, what's known as the great schism in church the history. great schism. I know, isn't that a cool I word? I kind of like it. That's a good schism, name for a podcast. Schism. The Great. going to change what the name of our podcast. Ours,
0: we figured out what this thing is. The it's the schism. great schism. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the great divide. Well, and I mean, after Constantine, it really just. The Middle Ages are defined as like the five hundreds up through maybe the fifteen hundreds, uh, and so it's this kind of this thousand year period of, of. It's also been referred to as the Dark Ages. Somebody coined that, um, especially in European history. But there's really not a whole lot taking place. The church Dark is...
0: Ages because not a lot is known, or dark because there's a lot of like
1: dark black magic? The, yeah, it's, well, and it's one of those misnomers. It actually got labeled by somebody, and I can't remember his name, as the Dark Ages. And, but it's not really true, because in Europe, while they're languishing, we're going through the Black Plague, wipes out a third of Europe, we're going through um, a... a Kind of, we almost take a step backwards. European history or European population civilization does. The Islamic Empire and the Middle East, there and and China and Asia, they're thriving. They're going okay. through their own Renaissance, while Europe is just struggling and there's a lot of blame to go around for that but it's it's kind of this it's a broad period and there's a lot taking place the church continues to grow islam takes over the roman empire from the roman empire and it's in charge for a lot of uh, area it takes over the holy land uh, christianity really goes up to to europe it goes up to like um northern europe while islam is really down in the southern parts and down in the middle east it's again taken over the holy land so then you come upon the great schism which breaks the church in two. The the two big institutions, church institutions, that develop as a result of that are the Catholic Church, the Latin Church, okay. and then you've got the Eastern Church, which is known as the Orthodox Church. Like
0: they, would that be like the Greek Greek, Greek Orthodox, Orthodox and... the
1: Russian Orthodox,
0: Russian Orthodox? Yeah,
1: and they have their whole other you know institution in Russia.
0: Do vodka instead of wine for communion? Wouldn't and... that be cool? <laughs> uh, maybe
1: they pour like red dye in there to make it look like. I don't, know. I don't know um oh. that would burn i hear i hear i don't have any experience don't you have experience okay anyway um <laughs> so we've we've yeah so you've got this break and it's not like there weren't other christian groups around at the time so you've got the coptic christians in egypt you've got the nestorians all of these words that probably very unfamiliar to most because we we're just aware of the Catholic Church. But you've got all of these other groups going on, and they were kind of, you know, at various times at odds with the main church. And this main church really has two heads. It's got one in Constantinople, which is now modern-day Turkey, and then you've got the one in Rome, the Catholic Church. What's the reason for this divide? The reason for the divide, the, the big thing was power. I, it can, there's a lot, again, there's people who can say, well, there are other theological issues and there were, but it's really about power. Mm. And it was who, you know, you've got a Pope in Rome who doesn't want to have to uh, to submit to the, the father, the patriarch in Constantinople okay. um, and vice versa. And so they, they split. It's this great divide. What becomes interesting is that the Catholic Church in Rome continues to thrive and grow while the church that is in Constantinople doesn't and so it's it's one that we're you know most people are very unfamiliar with this orthodox church they don't know a whole lot about it because yeah. the catholic church just continues to take off and so it's just a few years later that you get into the crusades and the crusades start because the the orthodox church or the greek empire which was you know it uh, Aligned with the Orthodox Church, they wanted help going in and kind of defeating the the Islamic empire that had taken over the Holy Land. So you then have three or 400 years of crusades. And the crusades are a huge moment in church history, and particularly for us, because they're once again dealing with Power, right. control, and institution. And it's it's this idea, this belief that God wants Christians to go in and rescue his land. There's a great church writer, uh, Bernard of... Clairvaux, St. Bernard of Clairvaux, who writes amazing stuff and amazing, intimate letters with with God. He's known as a contemplative Christian uh, of the contemplative Christian discipline. And yet he writes to these uh, uh to England and to Bohemia he writes to them and he tells them that God wants them to go in and rescue his land that he's grieved that these infidels these muslims have taken over his land and so you get these this 300 years of crusades of battling and fighting and uh, power going back and forth for this, you know, strip of land. It was more than that, but the strip of land and the development of this warrior idea, this Christian warrior, which still exists today. Oh, yeah. The crusader. Christian soldier. Oh, my goodness. How many of our (laughs) hymns are reflected around that? warrior mentality this is where it really takes off Wow! prior to this you kind of have monks who are in line with uh, like a spiritual warrior but their weapon was prayer and their weapon was fasting and their weapon was you know all of the disciplines but right. it develops into a christian night where uh, you know you get the sign of the cross on the crusaders yeah Shields and chests, and all of that, and a belief that God would actually the whole penance idea and indulgences, which is a whole other topic, but the idea it still exists in Catholic literature or theology the idea that God would absolve you of sins if you went and did this thing for Him, if you went and oh, defeated, yeah. uh, that it, it during this time there's the justification of killing before that there wasn't or or it was really a nebulous idea it now develops into it's okay to kill we're really good at morphing our theology to to fit in line with with what we want and and so you've got this whole institution this church institution who that is really developing um it's it's theology yeah Mm. morphing its theology to fit the situation. We can do gymnastics, mental gymnastics, to get to our own theological belief that we think is really important. Um, but you get all of these things that come out of the Crusades, and and one of the one of the most or or one of the one of the significant ones is the development of papal supremacy in the power of the Pope. Prior to this time, even though the Catholic Church is still developing and it's still growing, the Pope did not have the same amount of authority that the Pope has today. And there were, you know, you had even, like, uh, uh, Popes with, you had two different Popes ruling at, at a couple right. different times, the anti-Pope and all of that. The Out anti-Pope. Of, I know, it's so funny, all of this stuff. Oh, uh, man, but you what an
0: insult. Let's <laughs> <laughs> start calling Producer Sam the anti-Pope. My
1: Pope is better than your Pope. Um, but it eventually develops into the Pope's word is God's word, the Pope's, the, whatever the the mouthpiece of the almighty. Yeah. And that I think has played into a lot of our churches today where, um, where we believe that the pastor is God's spokesman and speaks on God's behalf. And there is no doubt that that directly comes from this papal power this papal supremacy and all of this is developing in those periods of of the crusades in the middle ages so all this is developing in a
0: time of power struggle and again this empire mentality. it's just it's um you know when you're in the midst of it I, I, it can be very easy to get caught up in, in, right. in the stuff that's going on. Um, obviously looking back on it, it's like, how did man, we how, do that? you not see all the right. red flags? And like, like how, how could you look at the life of Jesus, the, the key figure right. to this whole thing,
1: turning the other cheek, and, and you know, and, his, and,
0: his nonviolent, right. um, his constant call. No, you're not taking up your arms to fight against Rome. It's we're, yeah. we're not continuing the, the revolving, you know, of meet violence with violence. Right. It's, you know, Jesus is pre- is preaching and teaching this. Now, now you absorb it yeah. and, 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 and don't allow it to continue. Right. Not necessarily. We're going to get into a whole other, yeah. not just making yourself a punching bag, right. but, um, but, yeah, not entering into that continuous um, flow of violence that right that you that you, that you saw
1: earlier, and one of the things that you uh, brought up in our own conversation was this. Kind of this progression of, and, and you may want to go into detail of that. The progression of how we all are image bearers and, and God's image. Yeah, yeah, we can we can hit on that a little. Because bit right we now. see this in the Crusades, particularly as they are regressing back to more Old Testament ideas of violence, right? Where right. this belief, well, God at one point did want them to take the Promised Land, and so maybe here is another time when God wants to, us to go back in and take the Promised Land. It's a regression. They were actually going back.
0: Yeah. So there's some interesting parallels that I was, as I was kind of looking through and going back on um, some of the previous podcasts that we've done, and especially when you walked us through kind of the uh, architecture of the Old Testament in regards to, you know, it starts with us human beings being created in the image of God and we're image bearers. And um, I was even doing... I think every episode I can drop NT right. I think that's like my goal. I was doing like money
1: from him. I should be at this point,
0: but anyways, I was doing like an NT right online course, and he um, is explaining how actually creation is um, this like parallel of um, building a temple, and how the image of God, humanity, in there. Like every temple has it. Every temple, like if you look at other religions, the temples, there's an image of the God in that. And right. so the idea of True. creation being God's temple, but the image is, is humanity within that temple.
1: Yeah. Anyways, that's I thought good.
0: That was cool. I don't know if that has anything to do with what we're talking about, but sure. I just thought it makes me sound smart. Just
1: throw in, right. It'll yeah. Right. Right. Got to throw them in there.
0: But so it starts with this image of God thing. And, and then we go on to the tabernacle, this mobile thing. Um, then to the temple, this massive, ornate
1: symbol of empire structure, symbol, symbol of, empire. of empire. Yeah.
0: Maybe God said to do it. Maybe he didn't. Who knows? But there is a question mark there. Then you've got like the synagogue and the rabbinic Judaism. So we walked through all that, which,
1: which goes down is is kind of a movement right. back down too. Synagogue becomes a more of a local movement, a little bit even more portable. It's moving back down too. Right. When you get to Jesus. Right.
0: And, and even the rabbinic Judaism yeah. was this like, hey, we need to, the the things that God, the law yeah. and, and the, the way of living, you know, the law was God's way of teaching you to be human again. Right. Like rabbinic Judaism was... Call back to that, right? Right. And so then Jesus is on the earth and and walks the earth, and it's God's doing something new, and so you start to see this. Oh, okay, Jesus is again. Hey, the kingdom of God is here, and and the image of God. You are the image of God. Right. You're walking. You're walking image bearers. The Holy Spirit
1: now lives inside of you. Right. You are the 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 temple or the habitation of God. Right. That you are this this walking reality. Right. Even yeah. in His
0: encounter with the woman at the well, right. you know the times coming where you don't got to go up on your mountain or to our temple right. or anything. That's not going to yeah. matter. It's the matter of, of truth and yeah. spirit and and who you are and true transformation sure. of being that dwelling. So it's so, a
1: it's a restoration. It's a movement back towards the right. garden. So, see
0: this callback of. it seems to genesis one and then you know you've got the church's birth that kind of seems like this tabernacle-ish this mobile mobile, portable meeting in homes Mm -hmm. yeah
1: didn't really have a place to meet and that was okay that worked they were meeting wherever they could that's when it
0: it seems like that's when it was thriving yeah and and just blowing up and and there was no rhyme or reason to it outside of just the pure fact that it worked for and, people. and
1: blowing up in healthy ways where people are being discipled because they really want to want to follow jesus not because they want anything out of it or need to be attached to empire or wealth
0: right and then as we see it doesn't take long that suddenly as we saw in the old testament scriptures and narrative that all of a sudden there's this temple thing they're moving now we back have
1: up to temple. We
0: have. So in, in modern or not modern, but, you know, post Jesus era, we have these massive cathedrals yes. being built in in this new Roman Christian empire. Everywhere thing.
1: you could. It wasn't enough just to build a little ramshackle hut. You built a cathedral and really you wanted to show how Powerful, your God, your religion was. How there, there's something to that—that that this idea that the bigger it is, the nicer it is, the more gold we have in here, um, the the better our religion, the better our God, the better our faith is, and so it it really reflects again this idea of of empire and institution.
0: And you and you would say you feel like we're still in that era. I think we're Do you still think there. We're like. Do you think we're in a turning point in history where maybe we're approaching that, whatever that synagogue rabbinic Judaism space looked like?
1: I think you, I think you can start to see it kind of try to move back down to more of a a tabernacle synagogue idea when you get to Martin Luther and the Reformation um, that, and And Martin Luther, you know, by the time you get to the 1500s, you've got the, again, the Catholic Church is huge. And it's more than just the Catholic Church is, um, it's, it's more than just... The Catholic Church tells religious people what to do. The Catholic Church was telling everybody what to do. Mm-hmm. They were in control. So you've got King Henry VIII in the 1600s in England. He's, we all know his story. He's married a bunch of women, and they don't give him offspring, and so he's mad and has them killed and all of that. Well, his, his, one of his wives, his wife prior to, the, to him uh, you know, separating from the Catholic Church, was he wanted to divorce her, and the Catholic Church said no. And so what did he do? He started his own church. He left the Catholic church. I mean that's what you do, right? You yeah, start that's what your you own.
0: Do. When things don't work out, start you a church. You start
1: your own church. <laughs> And so he he started the Anglican Church, but really his reason was he wanted to divorce, and he wanted the same type of imperial power that the Pope had. Yeah. The Pope could tell other countries what to do. Yeah. It could tell Germany and England and Spain and Italy. I mean, that Pope, those Popes had so much power. So you have people like Martin Luther, who, and others. You have you know uh, John Calvin and Ulrich Zwingli, and you. Have was um, another guy in in England. I want to say Tyndale, I might be off, but or off by dates. But you have other people who are looking at the power that the Catholic church had, church had. Looking at the abuses that the Church, you know, did. You've got priests who are supposed to be celibate who are sleeping around, and and all these women getting pregnant because of these priests sleeping around. And and so the Martin Luther was saying this theology doesn't work, and he was pushing back, and this started the great. Reformation. This is, you know, all of us today are benefits of the Reformation that started in these various points. They were pushing back against the abuses of of the church and they be and martin luther then began to to translate the bible into uh german he's one of the first to do that prior to this time i don't know if we've touched on it yet but prior to this time everything at that time was written in latin which is funny because nobody read or spoke latin except for the one percenters as we would call them And so you've got people who, you've got the the common folk who were illiterate, they couldn't read, Mm -hmm. and they spoke like various dialects of French or German or whatever it was. They didn't know Latin, and so they were going to mass and hearing, you know, Latin, and they didn't understand it. They were being told what to do in Latin, didn't understand it. Mm-hmm. And Martin Luther and others began to write and translate the Bible into the various languages. Right,
0: you have Martin Luther who, uh, f- like for the first time, reads the the Bible in Greek, some other guy's translation, and yeah. he's like blown away with, with the stuff that he's reading. Like, wait a second, the this way is... you translated even just this one word, Yes, I think it's in Romans or something, yes. there's some scripture there that, that really threw him... I should have had that, but um changes anyways, the idea of grace like, and oh, salvation. Everything just yeah just shifts because right. of the translation of this one word. But there's also um it's kind of this great collision of 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 people who are who are questioning the system and also this perfect timing of technology with the invention of the printing press right. which right? then
1: allowed the bible to then just just be printed and basically you've got the bible then in or it's beginning to be in every household and they can actually read it well to a certain extent, I mean, a lot of people are still. If illiterate, they couldn't
0: read it, they would hear it from others they would who could hear it. Read from it. So there was more, there was way more voices yeah. speaking in, and, and there was this kind of um, like, "Hey, oh wow, we can actually have our own individual yes. relationship, relationship or, or, religion. or
1: faith." It was decentralizing the power of the Catholic Church. So if you look at the Catholic, and I think even Catholics today would look at the the power abuses of the 1500s and say, "Wow, it, we were really." off track. But it wasn't their intention, right? The Catholic Church was the main church for all of those years, 1,500 years. It, it started out with this idea, this belief that they needed to do all of these things. They needed to develop um, those councils, those church, church councils, and develop doctrine and theology. They felt they needed to do that. And then they felt like they needed to develop buildings where they could, doesn't it make sense that we have our own space and that we know when we are to come together and when we are to worship? And doesn't it make sense that everybody follows this this regimen, this system? And doesn't this make sense that we have a hierarchy and that we all flow back to this one person who comes out of this kind of this dissension of of Peter? Doesn't that make sense? It makes sense that all of this flows in a nice, neat package until you get to the 1500s and it's all off course. Lord Acton is famous for coining the phrase that absolute power corrupts absolutely and, and as humans we we never seem to learn our lesson from the garden to the tower of babel mm-hmm. to empires to solomon to constantine to the catholic church and the or the the church i should stop saying the catholic church the institutional I, I might church. get somebody might try to take me out wow. the institutional church um, we don't seem to learn that the more we consolidate power, the greater chance of extreme destruction. Uh, one person made this point, and I think they're they're accurate. That the church during the Middle Ages was the enduring European institution. It was the it was the thing that you could count on governments were constantly changing boundaries borders were constantly changing kingdoms all of that changing people dying and going to war in the crusades people dying in the plagues but what was the constant the priest the church the local church um that was all connected back to the big church
0: and well wouldn't you even think like Oh, that's confirmation that we're doing it right.
1: Yeah, like that—that right.
0: that would seem like it's oh enduring. yeah, God's on our side. That's the thing that God never changes. The church is
1: staying and, constant, and the, right? Right. The church is constant. The church is continuous. That though we've had some setbacks, we've had some you know maybe bad people in power, or maybe we've had people who are doing stuff that they shouldn't. But the fact that we are remaining constant is is yeah, they would have said that's a good thing. And so I think in the Reformation, you do see the the power structures breaking and the institutional church wobble. And you, especially with those early Protestant movements, and you had a ton of them, I mean, so many that I can't even name, a ton. And particularly even with King Henry the Eighth, though he did it for, you know, power-hungry re- reasons, his break off of the Catholic Church was huge, because then it led to even the really the founding of America um, or not the, yeah, the founding and development of America. But you have all of these smaller groups who, when they first started would have reflected the early church. They didn't have structures or hierarchy. They had very simplistic ways or methods and means of coming together, fellowshipping, finding safety and security together, community. But once they get big enough, institution, develops and so what luther started what do you have now the lutheran church church what john calvin started you have the baptist church the anabaptist the baptists and and the presbyterians and the reformed um what king henry the eighth although actually that pretty started pretty pretty quickly (laughs) the anglican church is almost identical to the catholic church it's just smaller a few different theological beliefs
0: man well hey You're still doing really good talking. So, (laughs) do I get an A plus on this one? A plus, good job. I'm learning a lot here. Um, Maybe we'll take a moment, take a little break, and pick up in the great country, the Christian country of America. (laughs) Hey everybody we just want to take a moment to remind you we are still a new podcast and we would really appreciate it if you would rate and review us in itunes or whatever platform you're listening on you could do that even right now as you're listening to the rest of this episode
1: and make sure to share us on all of your social media stuff so we can get people saved and money and all of that i mean wait (laughs) no wait wrong wrong place
0: yeah well it really does help. It helps us to become discoverable on iTunes. Um, it does make a difference. So again, if you like this or if you just like us, we'll really take the second out. one too. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Okay. So we're on the home stretch here. We are trying to wrap everything up for this history series. Um, what? what I want to do real quick here, Sandy Joe is maybe kind of walk through the stages of, of church structure. Um, starting with the early church to kind of, maybe that'll help help people with the flow. It's actually, I didn't create this. I actually, another one of my man crush pastors, (laughs) a guy named John Mark Comer up in, uh, Portland, I think in Oregon, um, is uh something he did and it really just helped make a lot of sense to me. So let's just start early church. The structure and we're talking about just architecture that you kind of can see the flow of where the church has been just by looking at architecture is um starts just with I mean, you could say it starts with the human being, like sure. we've already said, right. like in creation, Genesis one, the image bearer, but essentially the structure is, is the home right? that you see. Right. So you have people, the center of gravity. We've used that, that language. The center of gravity is the table, people gathering around, eating together. We really believe that there should be a huge callback to that. The idea of communion was not a, um, was the taking communion the sacraments was not something that you would do alone, and it right. wasn't like necessarily just this wafer and a little swig of juice. Yeah, um, wine. But I, uh, Come on, uh, wine. Yeah, Let's wine, just be right? real. It, but was it, wine. it definitely wasn't something you did alone. No. that almost defeated the purpose right. of it. It was this meal yeah. that you would gather around. In fact, it was repurposing or reestablishing something that was. Previously, the Passover. meal, Right. So this massive meal celebrating with friends and family about something. Um, But yeah, there was the home center of gravity is, is around the table. And let
1: me just touch on that. We probably have already said this, but, you know, back then, if you're talking about, you know, 3,000 years ago even 2,000 years ago where would you gather with your family at at what point in your day would you actually be with your family other than you know you're in bed you're working you're it would be around the table eating right it's still today the only time we really pause and actually make eye contact with one another and talk and we have to pause and eat unless you know we're
0: in fact in our society there's that's actually a rarity. Yes, these days. because
1: we are eating while we're driving or we're eating in front of the TV or right. we are, we're just not. And so there's something that's so uh, powerful in that idea and so it it's the coming together you have to stop you have to stop and actually as you're chewing your food i can talk and as i am chewing my food you can talk and we're interacting with one another because we're sitting we're eating we're engaging with one another yeah. and so there's you know god god I, god knew what he was doing in putting all of those festivals and feasts and eating moments together and there's a reason why he did it he could have used any other symbol but there's a reason why he did it at the meal at the passover table and so center of gravity is absolutely there in the home and then it moves to
0: yeah and so around the fourth century then the the next major structure is the cathedral this is um you know the post constantine the this is where we've, you know, just yeah. just even recapped in last week, or not last week, last episode, we talked about um, the, you know, Christianity getting into bed with
1: empire. Right. And where are you in the cathedral looking at one another Interacting with one another, pausing to find out about each other's day and lives. You're not. You're all sitting facing forward. Yeah, facing. Typically this. it's
0: built in the shape of a cross
1: Yes, most often. Right? But you're sitting forward facing what? The singular man, male, right up there in the front. Everybody's focused on one direction and when you take communion, you go up to the person and they give you your communion and it's an individual solitary thing and then you go back to your seat and you sit.
0: And you don't even serve. Serve it to yourself, you right? you don't serve like to Like you're actually no longer... Um, taking Holy it and, enough
1: or, or right?
0: adequate enough right. to serve your self communion. No. It is something. Especially that, today
1: in the Catholic Church, they yeah. place the wafer on your tongue and then you, this is gross, you drink from a communal cup. I don't know <laughs> how they think like wiping around the top of the cup is going to take care of all those germs that somebody just backwashed in uh, a previous. Especially you don't have kids. Especially if you go, bef- go after a kid, like that's the worst. Trust that's the me, worst. Once
0: you have kids, you'll drink from anything. <laughs> no. Oh, I will lick I from refuse. a puddle in the ground because I, I drink mean. after my kids. It's just gross. <laughs> Anyways, so, okay. So we have the, the cathedral the structure, the center of right. gravity is now is actually the altar. Right, It, it seems yes. to be right. That's, yes. that's the focus. That's where it's all at. You or the come, pulpit. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: I'd say the altar.
1: I, I appreciate <laughs> you trying
0: to tell me what the center of gravity was there because <laughs> my notes say the altar. <laughs> Anyways, so that's kind of your second stage move on to the third stage, you would say around the 16th century, around the time of the Protestant Reformation. Um, and all of a sudden you'd have kind of like these these parish churches yes. popping up, I believe. And the
1: idea behind that- At a parish church, you've got churches on various lands. So you've yeah. got these-, these pe- They're
0: all linked still. They're still
1: linked to the, church, to the church, the institutional church. But they're little local churches that are basically placed on um, on somebody's land. It would be like if, as if you own five acres of land and you've got a church on your land. Let's say you have people, like you're a farmer and you, you've got people who work your land, but they also live on your land, they would go to the church that you provide for them. And typically, the person who owned that land would often pay the salary of that that parish church, or the, cath- or the institutional church would pay the salary of the priest, depending upon where you were at in Europe. Um, but you had that little local parish church. And so that pastor, that priest, was kind of the overseer of the people on that land. But that church was still linked to an institutional church, whether it was the Anglican Church or the Orthodox Church or the catholic church
0: right and so one of some of the things that stick out about this time period as well um, is again you 've got the the printing press people are kind of finding their their they're not so controlled right. as much by the institution, Absolutely. right? The, the, the previous period with the cathedral, that was just mandatory. You go. You're, it was like law, you're right? part like of the you, empire. Yeah. You have to go to that. Absolutely. Press church, um, maybe not so much, not as much control on individuals anymore, but if you wanted to hear the Bible in yes. your own language, you had to go your to the only church. option was to go to church, right? There's no podcast at the time. There's no Bible app. Um, the, chances we're we're are, not
1: there telling you what to think. And, right, right. Yeah.
0: chances are you don't have your own copy of the bible maybe that's starting literacy is starting it's starting but it's still yeah yeah. nothing
1: near what we have today
0: i so the reason why i got mad at you on the last one is because (laughs) i think that the center of gravity shifts from the altar to the pulpit in this one
1: okay Uh, yeah i'll give it to you yeah i'll give it to you
0: i think that's what john mark comer thinks and you know (laughs)
1: I don't Since care. Since
0: he's a male pastor, he's obviously <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Stepping on toes. Way, off, way track, off track, Chris. Come on. Oh man, that's another topic. But anyways, yeah, it's this shift uh, from from the altar the okay. pulp, to the pulp to the pulpit. I think that's an, an extremely important thing to to realize. Is that people, the reason people were going to church was was quite practical. Right. Um a lot. Some some of it might have still been legalistic, sure. But there was this that was the only way they heard the scripture. Often, right? Uh, yeah,
1: yeah. But I would okay. So just a point Go of ahead, disagreement. I would say that that happened even earlier than just the Reformation time. Okay. So even though Latin was the language that scripture was. The only language that Scripture was, other than Greek and Hebrew, was written in or even communicated in, and I don't know when Latin became the the primary language of um, Catholic Mass. I don't I don't know when that took place. Prior to that, they would have heard the Scripture in Greek. Um, or back in the early first few centuries, I don't know, uh, know how many people knew Latin, but they did know Greek. And so you went to church three or four or five centuries in after Jesus. You went to, to church to also hear, again, Scripture and people telling you what you should think and, and what Scripture is saying. Definitely by the time you get to the Reformation period, the 1600s, 1700s still, you may have a Bible, you may not be able to read it. How many people were literate at that time? Still, not a lot.
0: Right, and then on top of that, how many times have you read the Bible and then said, "What the heck does that exactly. mean?" Exactly. <laughs> Especially
1: if you're looking at the King James so version. You got to have somebody else tell you what it Absolutely. means. Absolutely right? right. Especially a, a white male person. Wow. Whole other topic. Just, okay. Just went there. All didn't right. We? <laughs> Man. <laughs> All right. So, so that's important let's... because we're still doing that. Today. right we're still
0: going to to church to hear
1: the white male tell us
0: what to... <laughs> <laughs> hey wait a second there's a few other colors up there I have heard you preach <laughs> white female um yeah but that's also the and we'll this is something we don't we don't want to go too deep into right now but that's also um again with uh, the we're at the you know it's still at the turn of a crazy era of technology right. where suddenly things like what we're doing right now right. there's podcasts available you can you can listen to the greatest preachers right. just a push of the button right. on your phone it's it's in and your I, pocket right now right? and i
1: would argue that people are still doing that more than they are actually reading scripture for themselves we have so many apps that have the scripture for us but how many people are still just doing this right. again a whole other topic but the the idea that people the reason why the Sermon, which is, I think, what you're leading up to. The reason why the sermon, the weekly sermon from the person behind the pulpit where the center of gravity moves, the reason why that was so needed was because that was where you were hearing scripture.
0: Right. You had no other options. Right.
1: Today, we still use that model. The pastor preaches, white male, black male, Asian female. Whatever. Black, female, whatever. The person behind that pulpit who is Hispanic, male or female, the person behind that pulpit still, we are still instructing people today as pastors that we are telling pastors that that's one of your primary responsibilities. And we We're should, still
0: making that the center of gravity. Yes,
1: we are still making that the focus as if we still need to be the people telling people what God says and what they th- should think, how they should think. We have still made that the emphasis. And just as a side note, before you get upset with me and send me hate mail, I <laughs> absolutely believe that Scripture needs to be handled carefully and well. I'm absolutely for people understanding how to read, and and I, I teach that. I, it's very important, but I don't believe that it should be in the hands of just a few people every week on a on a Sunday telling us again what what scripture says. The reason why that was needed way back then was people didn't have it. And now today, we still keep the center of gravity on that pulpit, on that person.
0: Right, yeah, I think the... The center of gravity hasn't shifted a whole lot. the The structure has changed a, a little bit. Um, the parish churches are a lot bigger now, like warehouses and stuff. Oh yeah, and movie that kind Peters. of has effect. Yeah, movie theaters, whatever. This kind of around the turn of the last century is where you get. Um, a much heavier um, entertainment culture. Yes, starts to, but, to come in, right? But
1: notice what we do. We're still facing forward. Uh-huh. We come in, we face forward, and we are focused upon that person. Whether it's that person leading worship, or it's that person speaking, or it's the band up there.
0: Right. It's still stage focused. Stage focused. So before is a preaching box, yep. so it's built so that you can hear the preacher projected to everybody Mm -hmm. in the room now it's still the same but amplified and bigger with lights so that because also now what's almost become even more than the preaching in some places is is the music and the Mm -hmm. quality and the massive band up there so you know originally it was the organ and you had to have space for those hundreds of pipes yeah right still stage focused which is important. yeah and so the architecture becomes much more like a theater, like Absolutely. what you already said. So it goes from this preaching box to a theater. Absolutely. Still, kind of, a lot of similarities come sit and be a we religious receive, consu- yes, consumer of religious goods and services.
1: We come in, and if we really like it, then we drop some money in the bucket and say, Man, I'm so glad I went to the theater, uh, church today. I'm so glad right. I was. And if
0: you didn't like it, you, you don't give anything. You,
1: ask, go for your, to you next, ask for your money back. You, you go, go to the, the next church. You go down to the, the ticket street, taker right? and say, I want my tithe back because right. i did not like that you show. just
0: look for the new church plant and the or you just say you know what? i'm just gonna go back to listening to, to uh whatever you know, this thing is it, podcast the yeah. top pad com- right. podcast in, in your ears <laughs> if you don't like it so um and that's kind of where that's yeah. pretty much where we still are today so you got the home to the cathedral to the parish pre- preaching box to the theater still style very... whether it's a movie theater or yeah. warehouse or whatever it's still right. set up that way yeah um but you also have like like we've mentioned the the technology now available yeah. where um there's all this concern about People not going going to church yeah. as much anymore, and um, there's a whole lot of different things to talk through that we will in future episodes. But so that's kind of at least for you know North American institutional church. Why don't you um give us a yeah, little so bit more history on um, where we moved?
1: Yeah, going yeah. from the Reformation, and obviously the Anglican Church is huge. King Henry the Eighth. So again, he develops an imperial, what's known as this imperial style. Um, he wanted to have as much power as the Pope had within his monarchy. And so the Anglican Church starts. And if you notice, it's very high church, what we call high church model, almost identical to the Catholic Church, except they have a few different beliefs that are different. And so in those 1600s, you've got wars. You've got wars going on. It's no longer the Crusades. It's no longer Christians fighting Muslims. It's now Christians fighting each other. It's the Catholic Church fighting the the Protestant Church. And I mean, ton of just bloody battles going on. Mary, Queen of Scots versus, and I don't remember who she was fighting, I should know, but I can't remember who she was fighting, but she was Catholic. And then you had, you know, whether or not England was going to stay Catholic or, or Protestant. Well, the reason why that's important is because you got this group of people in England who don't want to do this high church model. They want to do what they call a pure way of following their Ooh, faith.
0: pure. I feel like I've pure heard
1: that Pure. Leads us to the Puritans. Well, what happens to the Puritans in England? the anglican church doesn 't like them; they get to be persecuted, and so the legalism that they that is there in England in the Anglican Church causes these Puritans to hop on boats like the Mayflower and others and um, and then become pilgrims who move over to America and um, the the Puritans and the the founding kind of uh, Jamestown and all that kind of stuff Williamsburg all of these are these great Puritans Good old American history I know who who then start on, really America. really these um, these colonies and it leads mm-hmm. us into the revolution and all that what's interesting about the Puritans is um despite the fact that they're leaving they're leaving persecution they're leaving all this bad stuff in england they move over here to america and they begin to do the same things that were being done to them in england they begin to persecute others who are not following their religious beliefs. America becomes seen, even from its very earliest uh, stages in the 1600s, when it's really being founded, um, it's it's really seen as kind of a religious haven, and um, there's no doubt that Christian people settled America prior to the, I mean, after the Native Americans, that's a whole other topic, right. but the people there on the East Coast were definitely Christian, or at least brought Christian values, attempted to, but it changed very quickly. Again, the idea of power, the idea of organization, the idea of control. What if people don't want to follow your particular style of faith, your particular religion? Well, then you either get them in line or you accuse them of being witches and so we get we get the salem witch trials we who who were at the core of the salem witch trials and the other persecutions are taking place religious people yeah. puritans and from there it blossoms into again like it it blossoms into to our american society the revolution and all of that um it the american culture um it takes on it takes on its own unique flavor of Christianity, which is something that we're going to need to go into at some point because it really, it 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 helps to set the stage for our Amer- American Christianity that we have for, give, today. Give
0: like a few top highlights.
1: Few top highlights. Um, well, there is a pervasive belief that America. Again, you see the parallel with a Roman Empire. There, there is this pervasive belief that America it was meant to be this unique Christian nation
0: which sounds to me when i hear christian nation that just feels like an oxymoron like yeah there's no such thing as <laughs> and
1: and again if you want to go and utilize the people who first came here and settled here they had the title of christian but they certainly did not all per you know portray christian values and it's it The idea that government is then wedded with uh, religion became very significant. In fact, in the early stages of American history, you even had a state, and I don't remember which state, but it was like the late 1700s when the colonies were being kind of coming together and it was about to develop America. One state had a state religion. And it was Thomas Jefferson who then said, Ah, we can't we can't do that. We've got to separate whole separation of, of, of church and state idea. We can't do that because what's gonna happen? We're going to make people go to church. We're gonna make people believe. We're gonna make people read their Bible. And so those people whoever wanted that separation idea, I think, had it right to not trying to keep God out of government, but trying to keep people from making religion uh, mandatory, institutionalized. Uh, and so America is unique in that we don't have one institutional church. We have right. a lot of institutional of <laughs> churches. We don't have just yeah. one. We have a lot. Um, but you see how, again, as, as America went through its its up and down phases, the Civil War was a huge turning point in, in, in Christianity because it was a really dark time, not only for the country, but it was a dark time just in general. Uh, there's a, a statistic, one author said that after uh, 1860 and then again at 1890, I think it was, what, 23%? percent of the population were actual church members actually attended church. Oh wow. It's a huge statistic.
0: And we we it seems like the story we've always told ourselves is that those are the good old days when everybody was in yes. church, right?
1: Because it just seems like people were better back then. It's always people were always better <laughs> way back when, but they weren't necessarily and and it's really described i mean the civil war beyond the atrocities that it was really trying to go against and prevent slavery it was a really dark time brother was fighting against brother we had not experienced that before and haven't since thankfully but we were literally fighting our our blood relative over not just the institution of slavery but what people thought the government should should and shouldn't tell them. You do have a predominant amount of Southern churches who didn't want to see slavery ended. And you did have a predominant amount. And I say predominant because they weren't all, but a predominant amount of North American churches who wanted to end it. And so you've got churches who are developing even theology around the institution of slavery and morphing it and warping it and making it like we did with the Crusades, making it what we want it to be, reading passages oh, of scripture yeah. like what Paul says in Ephesians and Colossians, "Slaves obey your masters. They would point to that and say, there you go. It's right there. God wants us to have slaves. God <laughs> wants us to have slaves. Right. And so the Civil War was was awful. It's interesting that right after the Civil War, is when you see a reemergence of end times and eschatology. Mm. People began to dwell upon this has to be the end. It
0: was so bad.
1: It was it's so like, bad. Okay, obviously. Jesus, Jesus has got to come back. We can't. Right. We can't survive this. So this is where you start to see, even you know, you get really into the weeds here. But even the idea of the rapture and the secret rapture begins to reemerge. The secret rapture. It hasn't always. This is what I, I think, think is think important. Never heard of that. That's well, the secret rapture is what I think um, probably most people in America believe. It's not necessarily been part of all uh, Christian theology for the last two thousand years. People who don't like necessarily the idea of the rapture, the idea of a secret rapture where you don't know, like all of a sudden you're just kind of taken, Um, they they use that term to describe it. But it's what I think what predominant Americans, uh, Christian Americans believe, but it hasn't necessarily been always a part of Christian theology. It is a part of Pentecostal theology, um, but it's not necessarily been a part of all... Christian theology. And so this idea of the rapture, this idea that Jesus is coming back, this idea that um, you won't, you will all of a sudden be there and nobody else won't, somebody else won't be there because Jesus has come back, but, but it won't be realized fully until later on. All of this develops. And it takes us into an important Another important shift, which is the Azusa Street Revival in the early 1900s. Azusa Street Revival, It's right not in the backyard. In, yeah, it's not just important for uh, Pentecostals, which is the, the tradition that you and I come out of. It's not just important for that. It was actually important for all of... I
0: think the church that my dad's a pastor at actually has some kind of tie of being Do they? birthed out of that. Or was the Angelus Temple... Birthday?
1: Yeah, well, uh, uh Amy Simple McPherson right. established yeah, the Angelus yeah. Temple. There's
0: ties there with my dad's church in in alhambra
1: yeah and that would have been close to that area i mean this is like it's still there are threads to it still all over but the the azusa street revival was significant because it it began to be like this breath of hope uh, uh, to a very again a very dark period in history right. so whatever you believe even if you don't believe that you know Pentecostal, the whole baptism, Holy Spirit, tongues, all of that kind right. of stuff. Even if you don't believe in that, that moment in history was important. You have, who do you have leading the, the this Pentecostal movement? You have minorities and women. Well, who were in the institutional churches in power at that time? White, white males. males. Right. In the churches that had been established up to that point, white males. And here you have a movement. Again, even if you don't believe it, it's okay. You have people who are on the fringes of society coming back back into what they believed was God's renewed, refreshing, um, uh, anybody was welcome, you could come in and experience God and grace and love and community and fellowship and food and taking care of each other. All of these things were marks of that again that kind
0: of like stuff that we saw back in
1: stuff the in the early and, church yeah, yes the early
0: church with the pentecost too. right well i guess that's why they call it
1: right yeah and well, so there's the that tie Bible. back um and so it it breathes this breath of fresh air and today the pentecostal church is one of the you know the fastest growing yeah, if not the biggest it's huge it is, yeah. and it began to shift again american society Um It it came at this point where it it, again it allowed. What year year is this revival again? This oh, I should know this. This is Is like 1906, I think. Is that right? 1907. Pre World War One.
0: World War War One and two. um, Pre World War Two okay so and so
1: it's it's again it's it's yeah it's pushing its way forward it's also pre the the Darwin and evolution debate that comes right. on the scene in the south and that actually does a huge thing again for mm-hmm. uh, Christianity and and um, its response it, within that whole debate evolution eventually is allowed to be taught in schools and Christian society especially in the south pulls out and they begin to start their own schools and their own oh, Bible yeah. colleges and um and and so but again you see the institutional church it changes, it morphs, it adjusts, but all of those early churches, especially even in the Pentecostal movement, all of those early movements and early churches that were started, they have now pushed into institutional churches. There is this and, and you know, there's this tension that we have as humans, as people. Um, it's not possible for something that is small or organic or um, kind of new to remain that way. It has to require structure. Babies eventually learn how to walk right. and talk and push back, and they learn and they grow and they become organized, or they continue to become disorganized. We tend to move towards organization. We start out in chaos, and then we move toward or- organization. Right,
0: that's just life: chaos to order. Exactly. That's even the story of creation. Exactly. You've got this chaos Chaos, the tohu and the bohu to order, coming right. together
1: and they the great hebrew words coming together and creating order but we as humans we are terrible at organization and order cuz we are fundamentally selfish and the more organization and power and control we have and the more we know the more power we eventually take and so it 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 brings us to to today all of those and there's more movements that we can touch on at at a later point but it brings us to where we are at today anything small anything that has ever started small whether it's the reformation or the pentecostal movement or or new movements today the emergent church that was big 20 years ago um, anything that starts out small even just look at our american government it started out with 13 colonies. It started out where the president didn't even have to be there all the time because nobody needed him for anything. I guess you could argue the same. No, okay, I won't. Um, that, you know, we start small as society, and then we move towards big and organization and order. And that's where, that's where we run the risk and the danger of power, hmm. control.
0: man. That's good stuff. And so I think some of the, uh, maybe the, just the future of this, this podcast from here, uh, cause where you, where you're landing there is so important, um, is, is continuing and, and picking up the, um, the pieces of that and, and looking through the lens of, the way Jesus shows us to live it's this right. subversive way of life the, the fact of the matter is that there is going to be this constant cycle of of chaos to order at right. least it seems like that's the way it's always been that's the creation story that right. is and And so Jesus comes along and, uh, he doesn't, it's, there's not this idea of abandoning that, but it's being this redemptive presence within that
1: hitting in on the key things, because I think, you know, one of the reasons why I don't think Jesus really did say a whole lot about the church or did provide this blueprint was because, you know, obviously he knew our tendency is to want to learn something and grasp it and then control it. And he just, he, he, tried to bring people back to these core principles, love God, love your neighbor. What is most important your relationship with God? You know, I was thinking about this this morning that when we, each of us, when we learn things, when we learn something new, there's this phrase that, educators like to use called cognitive dissonance that our minds go through a period of discombobulation we it's like a, a we learn something new and it's like oh my gosh i never knew that before and how does that fit into what i already know and so our minds get a little chaotic our minds even if we don't realize it it's going through this shifting and changing because it has to take that new information and it has to place it somewhere in there and fit it in its context to then make sense of it so it can understand it so that we can then live it out and apply it. We are always, as you just said, we're always moving from chaos to order or unstructured to structure. But that also means, again, the more structure we have, the more we know, the more power that we have. The Tower of Babel, they all wanted to come together. Right.
0: At least on this side of yeah. eternity, we're right. always going to have this desire to... It seems like this natural desire to leverage things for our own um gain. advancement, our own Absolutely. gain. And that's that's the way of empire, right? It's yes. step on the backs of others yes. to rise to the top. And so that's this this whole way of following and practicing the way of Jesus is this this rhythm of life and, and constantly um making an effort to love God and love your neighbor, right? right? Making those that's, those are the, the priorities. Those are the guidelines. Yeah. Is this decision loving God and loving my neighbor, right. or is this decision
1: about me and abusing my, my neighbor yes. or abusing
0: things to advance my kingdom, to advance myself? And we're constantly that's right. that's what and seems we, like life is
1: right, and it doesn't seem like we remember that. So we take, especially in the we'll take the church world, you know, we take what we've always done and we take the model that we've. That As you described, as we've moved into this stage or pulpit center, we have take this because this is the way it's been. But we don't remind ourselves that that we as humans, that this flaw is so very pervasive, it's so very powerful, that it doesn't take a great moral failure from from a great religious leader. It takes just the one selfish desire Mm -hmm. that I want to do what I want to do this week, or I, in this conversation with this church member or this parishioner, or I, I want what i want right. or in in you know whatever it is building or the community or i really that that we think okay if i make a name for myself then it's going to benefit my church and my community or whatever it is that in those moments our selfishness has a tendency to come out. And this is where, you know, theologians like an NT Wright or a Dallas Willard that we've mentioned before and others have to remind us that our that our focus, the way of Jesus, is this discipleship, Mm -hmm. the spiritual transformation, where we are constantly keeping ourselves in check as we follow Jesus, that we that we follow his way reminding ourselves that that selfishness is there and uh, if we don't if we don't follow that path as opposed to and it seems like there are these often two divergent paths the way of just church and attendance and receiving as if that is our spiritual formation or the other path where we keep jesus as the focus the follow jesus and we can do that in a church context more often than, than not we don't and we follow our way or the church way and, and whatever they're telling us. And that fulfills our quota of spiritual formation. Right. But the whole other path is, is keeping Jesus focused, reminding ourselves of our tendency to have selfish desires and recognizing that Jesus is needed to transform that.
0: Good. Good stuff. Well, hey, that wraps up our church history series. We made it, people. We Congratulations it. if you've listened Feel to all the episodes. Feel a little dizzy
1: going through 2000 years yeah, of history. Yeah, yeah,
0: well, give yourself a pat on the back. <laughs> um like we said we really hope that this just gives a good foundation um for you to build some some thoughts and 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 to have some discussion upon um it's really important to know where where we came from why we're doing the things that we're doing today um and then to have that dialogue and to realize what's influenced some of the things we experience and so from here we will continue to discuss some of those things. Um, okay, what is what is salvation? Is it
1: what is heaven? Yeah, what in is light spiritual of everything formation? We've talked about.
0: Um, church leadership, Power, what's it supposed to look abuse, like? Abuse, spiritual abuse. <laughs> yeah, all that fun stuff. We'll we'll be we'll be diving into a slew of topics, um, in future episodes. Whether
1: or not Chris is running for president someday. Oh, well. Oh, oh, that was a given. Right. Sorry. Sorry. You are for sure.
0: You weren't supposed to let the cat out of the bag on that one yet. (laughs) Anyways, man, thanks everybody for joining and hanging in there. We will be back soon. That's going to do it for this episode. If you like what you've heard, follow us on social media and share this podcast with your friends. If you didn't like it, or you had a question, comment, concern regarding this week's topic, please email us at... Whatever this thing is, podcast at gmail.com. Music for this episode is provided by Wolf. Once again, promotional consideration is brought to you by Broke Coffee. Broke Coffee, it's an orange. People
1: drink coffee there, it's pretty cool.